3.5 of the Bibles, and it's from Romans 8, verses 18 to verse 25. And it's headed, Present Suffering and Future Glory. I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. For the creation waits in eager expectation for the children of God to be revealed. For the creation was subjected to frustration, not by its own choice, but by the will of the one who subjected it, in hope that the creation itself will be liberated from its bondage to decay and brought into the freedom and glory of the children of God. We know that the whole creation has been groaning, as in the pains of childbirth, right up to the present time. Not only so, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for our adoption to sonship, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we are saved. But hope that is seen is no hope at all. Who hopes for what they already have? But if we hope for what we do not yet have, we wait for it patiently. This is the word of the Lord. Have you got me? Lovely. Thank you. If, if we wait, if we hope for we do, what we do not have, we wait patiently for it. So Advent, and we're in the season of Advent at the moment, is a time of waiting. Waiting. We are not very good at waiting, are we? We live in a get-it-now society. Grab it with both hands. Go for it. Seize the day. In many respects, those ideas are great. Don't wait. Do it now. And waiting for anything can seem like torture, especially to children. If any of you have tried to marshal the children on Christmas Day and stop them opening things all at once, you'll know that waiting is difficult. When we have to wait anywhere, in queues, at airports, on journeys, we need distractions. On a train now, everyone who is on their own is looking at their mobile phone. Now, the rhythm of life in the Bible, probably the rhythm that we were created for, is different. There are times of activity and there are times of waiting. And the times of waiting are not the unproductive times. They are the growing times. 
The seed is planted and then it grows. At first in secret and then out in the open. It grows and matures and ripens until it is fruitful and ready for harvest. And the waiting is important. The Bible says that we are living in one of those waiting times, a not yet time, and Advent reminds us of that. Jesus came, the seed was planted, the seed is growing, the harvest is near, and then Jesus will come again, and all will be brought to completion, and the time of the true harvest will come. And we are waiting, waiting for that, living in the middle, not there yet, looking eagerly ahead. In that passage in Romans, Paul talks of a world that is groaning as if in childbirth. Creation itself is groaning in frustration as it waits for the glory that is yet to be revealed. And we share that frustration, Paul says. We too groan inwardly as we await our new bodies and God's promised new world to be shown to all. But it's not here yet. So we live with all the frustrations of a half-completed world, a mess of a world, not fully liberated, where God's kingdom of peace and love and healing is not yet seen, a world in waiting, a not-quite-yet world. So waiting. Are you good at waiting? Do you find waiting frustrating? Does it make you angry? How do you feel? about waiting for the Saviour to come again. On that little sheet that was given out to you, one of the, one of the uh, extracts is a poem by R.S. Thomas, and uh, you might like to follow that as I read it. Moments of great calm... Kneeling before an altar of wood in a stone church in summer, waiting for the God to speak. The air a staircase for silence. The sun's light ringing me as though I acted a great role. And the audiences still. All that close throng of spirits waiting as I for the message. Prompt me, God, but not yet. When I speak, though it be you who speak through me, something is lost. The meaning is in the waiting.
We do not know the day or the hour. Advent should be a time of anticipation. And as soon as you say anticipation, it makes a time of waiting seem more exciting. Because anticipation is waiting with hope. Waiting for something big and exciting to happen. And these weeks leading up to Christmas are weeks of preparation and anticipation. We are getting it all ready for the big day. Or sometimes it feels like a big week now. The food, the presents, the cards, the invitations, the trees, the decorations. At the moment, it seems like a lot of work. But we do it in anticipation that those days of celebration will be the special times, the memorable times. And that sense of anticipation infuses all the stories that we will hear over Advent and Christmas because there is excitement in the air. For thousands of years, prophets had been looking ahead to something that they had just glimpsed in the distance. They spoke of a new thing, a new covenant, a promise kept, a Messiah and a Saviour to come. And for Mary, there must have been nine extraordinary months of anticipation. God was doing something wonderful and new and had chosen her to be a part of it. And she was the only one who knew it, really. At long last, God was on the move. And the child that was growing in her was special and miraculous. And how she must have anticipated the day that she would meet him. Now we live on the other side of that Christmas story. We know what happens. Jesus, our Messiah, has come. John shouts in exultation, we have seen him. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. He was born and lived and died and rose to life again. So what now are we anticipating? How should we be looking forward? What is yet to come for us? Well, the picture Jesus uses is that picture of a wedding. A time when Jesus, the bridegroom, will come back to claim his bride. And we are those waiting for the bridegroom to arrive and the wedding to start. And he warns us that even if the bridegroom is late, and we may feel that the bridegroom is late, 
We are to keep alert, keep watching for him, live our lives knowing that he is coming soon. We are always to be ready. And if we are called to live in readiness and hope and excitement and anticipation, if we are always aware that he might be here soon, how would our lives change? There's a little poem on the sheet from Madeleine Lengel. Advent. 1971. When will he come? And how will he come? And will there be warnings and will there be thunders and rumblings of armies coming before him and banners and trumpets? When will he come? And how will he come? And will we be ready? This final thought is about longing. Advent is a time of longing. I wonder if you sometimes feel, like me, that you are out of step with the world around you. I think we can especially feel like that in these days leading up to Christmas, when all around us seems to be about money and buying about sentimentality and sparkle, about jingle and jangle. And we often long for something different. Longing is part of Advent. The prophets of the Old Testament knew all about longing. Come down, Lord. Rend the heavens and come down. They often lived in times of war and hardship and catastrophe. Come down now, Lord, and show your power. Prayers of longing. They were looking ahead and longing for a different place, a different world, a new way of living that they could dimly see, still far off, but that they felt was promised by God. And that is also true of us. We often long for God to come as well. We long for him to bring peace. We long for him to bring justice and order and light and a world of love and healing. The writer to the Hebrews says that we are like refugees, foreigners and exiles in this world. And we are only passing through, journeying on to a better country, a heavenly country, a kingdom that is God's. But meanwhile, we feel restless. We we know that we don't really belong here. And so we live by faith, looking beyond what we can see to what God can do. And we live by prayer, because prayer can bring the power and love 
of that heavenly country into this wounded world around us. It is that deep longing for something better, for someone better, the longing that God puts into our hearts that draws us and inspires us and motivates us and drives us and can change us and the world around us. So Advent is a time of longing. And what are you longing for? What is the longing of your heart? Reading the little passage on the sheet. Whistling in the dark. The house lights go off and the footlights come on. Even the chattiers stop chattering as they wait in darkness for the curtain to rise. In the orchestra pit, the violin bows are poised. The conductor has raised his baton. In the silence of a midwinter dusk, there is far off in the deeps of it somewhere a sound so faint that for all you can tell, it may be only the sound of the silence itself. And you hold your breath to listen. You walk up the steps to the front door. The empty windows at either side of it tell you nothing or almost nothing. But for a second, you catch a whiff of some fragrance that reminds you of a place you've never been, and a time you have no words for. And you are aware of the beating of your heart. The extraordinary thing is about to happen, and it is matched only by the extraordinary moment just before it happens. And Advent is the name of that moment.